Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hello, hello. What is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction Podcast. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And I regret to inform you all that it's finally happened. I got an email the other day, and we lost the listener. Lost the listener because of my stance on the COVID-19 mandatory mask situation. Well, not even that, as much as just people walking around by themselves outside wearing masks. I guess this guy is a physician, and he didn't care for my callous approach to wearing a mask, I guess. And, well, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how many listeners, now that I think about it, I've lost because of my position on the mask or COVID-19 in general. But, hey, you know, it takes all kinds. I don't expect everybody to agree with all of my positions on things. That would be a little weird if you agreed with me 100% of the time. But, um... It just goes to show you, uh, it kind of proves my point that these people that wear these masks are a little nuts. You actually enjoyed the podcast for a while, as he claims, and he was listening. And then I said one thing he didn't like, and that was just a deal breaker for him. The mask, the religion of this mask, and how seriously people take it. It really is just unbelievable. (laughs) You see these people walking around by themselves, wearing masks, wearing gloves, and uh, it's all over like nothing. It's all over a disease that I just don't understand why so many people, young people in particular, are this afraid of getting COVID-19. It's not even that unpleasant for the vast majority of people that get it. They don't either have symptoms, they don't know they have it, or they get sick for a few days and then... They move on with their lives, and then, you know, there are the cases, especially with uh, young people, rare cases where they get really sick, and and some of them do die from, you know, usually having underlying conditions or something like that, but it's not like, um, like, let's say Ebola was, like, super curable, had a, I don't know what the death rate is on Ebola, but let's say it was comparable to the the death rate on COVID-19 for young people, like 99.7 or whatever it is, people survive Ebola. I would still be pretty freaked out about getting Ebola because that does not look like a picnic. That looks like a really miserable experience to go through, even if you're going to survive it. But something like uh, the coronavirus... I don't know. It just uh, it doesn't register as being that 
big of a deal for the vast majority of people. So I don't know why everyone's so freaked out about getting it, other than the fact that media and politicians have done an incredible job of brainwashing people and then, you know, just pure propaganda to, to freak them out about this. For all of you guys that do agree with my take on the masks and the coronavirus, I just need you to double down on your efforts to share the show and promote the, the podcast for, for liberty's sake. But anyway, welcome back, everybody. Thank you so very much for tuning in once again. I am broadcasting deep behind enemy lines from an undisclosed location and um, got a lot of stuff to talk about today. There's a, a lot's been going on since my last podcast. I'm just going to kind of dive right into it. I think that I, I apologize that this, um, you know, I don't have my usual setup here, so I don't know how sound is going to be. I'm using a, a different microphone setup and it's uh, it's going to be a little difficult. It's going to be more difficult for me to produce the show than normal for the next couple of weeks, but hopefully it all comes out at least up to a standard that's you know not painful to listen to. Um, there's nothing worse than bad audio and obnoxious background noises or something like that. So I'm going to do my best to minimize all of that as the the weeks go by but for those of you who have been following me on twitter i've been getting into a little <laughs> twitter spat with some bernie bros over the last couple of days i uh i saw a tweet from bernie bernie sanders and god he is just whoever runs his twitter account is it's just pure cancer but the tweet was, Eisenhower once said, every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired, signals, in the final sense, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. It is time to cut the Pentagon budget by 10% and invest in human needs. Okay, now I do agree with Bernie Sanders on a portion of this. It is time to cut the, the Pentagon budget by much more than 10%. I'd cut that thing in half to start with. But um, the implication being that it's, you know, all of these tax dollars going to the military industrial complex is theft just because the money's not going to feed the poor or to um, clothe the poor or, or, you know, to heat their houses. Like, I think there are actually two implications to that. So one, it's they're, they're stealing from the poor people who would be otherwise be getting that money, which um, it's not their money to begin with. So I don't know why it would be theft from them. Like, it, it's theft from people, from poor people who would otherwise be getting that money through theft from stealing it from others. The, the theft is from the people who are taxed. To, to pay the Pentagon budget. It's not from some other class of people that weren't taxed, <laughs> whose money didn't belong to them in the first place. How is it theft from them? Just because the, the money could have gone to them in theory, the money that was already stolen, wasn't their money. They didn't steal it from the poor to, to give to the Pentagon. They stole it from everybody else, from the rich, from the, the middle class, from... Um, I guess the, the poor people who do pay taxes but can't afford to clothe and, and house themselves or whatever, those were the ones that, that got stolen from, not some other people, not some other beneficiaries of the stolen funds. That's, uh, 
That's some more brilliant Bernie logic there. But the other the other thing is that it implies that if you take tax dollars and you give them to people for food or clothing or housing or anything like that, that that somehow makes it not theft, right? As long as you're, you're stealing from people, as long as you're taxing them to feed the poor, well, then it's not theft. And so I took exception to that, of course, and I had to give them a little jazz. And so I responded to this that said, you know, every tax that is levied in the final sense is in fact theft or something to, to that effect. To which, of course, I got a myriad of replies. The typical left-wing responses to, to that type of stuff. It's like, oh, well, have you driven on a, a public road lately? And taxation is only theft if you don't get value in public education, healthcare, housing, and roads in return. And now I've covered why taxation is theft before. You guys can go back and listen to those episodes or any other libertarian that's covered that. These are the, the typical responses. But the, the thing that they always seem to go to is, oh, education's a big one. You know, I'm never like uh, a, a real dick on Twitter. I just don't, I don't really um, get off on being mean to people on the internet. They get a little uh, testy with me and I might push back a little bit, but this one lady was talking about you know public education we were kind of going back and forth about it because they don't seem to think that absent taking money from the u.s population by force and overpaying for government schools basically indoctrination centers they don't think that there's enough decent people in the u.s to uh that even might be a quote that would voluntarily uh, come up with some other solution to fund schooling. So they don't think that it, there, there's enough people that would vote to fund schools, even if we, we went to like a pure democracy thing, that there wouldn't be enough people to vote to fund public schools because they're, uh, you know, uneducated rubes like me. That's why they need to forcefully take the money and use it for the right things like education and healthcare and things like that, which is just such a poor miscalculation of people. I mean, every parent on the face of the earth wants their kids to have the best education possible. And that's why these, uh, these government schools, it's such a tragedy. It traps these kids in literal, literal prisons and they're not getting any real education. They're just getting indoctrinated instructions you know they're 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 basically glorified daycare centers and they're they're churning out kids that are illiterate they they can't do basic arithmetic i mean these schools are a disaster more often than not and the amount of money that we spend on education continues to go up the product continues to go down in quality this is what we see every time government gets involved in an industry that the product the quality goes down and the price goes up you you see it everywhere you see it in healthcare and education and everywhere they aren't involved even in certain sectors of the healthcare industry like elective surgeries you see the quality go up and the price go down and i just for the life of me i, I can't understand why more people aren't at least receptive to the idea that there might possibly be another way of going about funding education. 
And the amount of excuses that they will use, the amount of slack that they cut for government-provided services. I, I told her these schools were a disaster. And she's like, well, they're not a disaster, but they definitely need improvement. Politicians defund the school. It's always they, they, they need more funding. Now, if there was a, a private school, right, if there was a school that was providing education that wasn't government-run, that was producing results, the exact same results as a government school. There is no way on earth these people would be making all sorts of excuses for the bad teachers, for the the lack of uh, you know reading skills, math skills, science skills. But when it comes to the government, we make up all these excuses. That it really is unbelievable. <laughs> And then the more, you know, you sort of scratch the surface with these people, you know that they just have no goddamn idea what they're talking about. It, it's incredible. I, I mentioned free markets, like we need a free market in education. And she goes off on this thing. Oh, we, we don't have a free market in education. There's no such thing as a free market in education, blah, 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 blah. And we talked about it. And I was like, yeah, we don't have a free market. That's the problem. And she's like, no, it's impossible. Okay, because a market, things cost money, so it can never be free. So she's thinking that free markets refers to markets that don't charge customers any money for things. They just provide all the services for free. And this is the lady that's calling me an uninformed rube on Twitter. So I just thought that was pretty funny. And, you know, I was having fun with it, you know, sitting by, sitting by the pool, drinking a little bit, giving her a little jazz because... Um, obviously she must be a product of these public schools that she's so fond of that she has no idea what the term free market actually refers to. And I'm not talking about the cost of goods that m a market supply, like we just have these things called markets and they give everything away for free. Like they're having this big, uh, end of the year sale. Everything must go. Just take it. No, 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 no. Free markets, like free from coercion, free from government intervention. You have free and open competition. It's not that you can just go to a market and pick something up for free, whatever you want. <laughs> anyway, you can't. Um, it, it's a lot of fun to just the reason I do. I don't get into these things very often, but the reason I do it is not because I think I'm going to convince some Bernie supporter that you know for a free market and education is the way to go. The reason I do it is because I know that there'll be other people that, that stumble across these tweets and maybe they're convincible or reachable in any sense of the way that I can, I can reach somebody else who's sort of following the conversation on the sidelines a little bit. Uh, but I mean, these people are, are totally far gone, but if you're not following me on Twitter, you should at pedal fiction. It's just, it, it always amazes me no matter how many years go by, they always think that libertarians have not thought through any of this, any of our ideology. Like we actually think things through to their logical conclusions. And when we come up with potential solutions, you know, we, we might not have all the answers to everything, but that's, that's sort of the point. No, no one person or group of people does have all the answers, but uh, they haven't thought this stuff through at all. Like um, another couple of guys that chimed in, he says, it's never theft if you're stealing from the rich. And, and I was just, I was kind of blown away by that. I was like, wow. Okay. So can you define rich? And he says, no, <laughs> or no, he didn't say no. 
um, somebody else said, uh, or I, I said, can you define rich? And somebody else chimed in and said, they clarified his statement. It's like, it's not theft as long as you're, you're not taking more than like whatever the person needs on a subsistence level. And then I was like, all right, define what subsistence is. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I was like, oh, okay, you're not going to, or you can't because you can't define subsistence. I mean, if we're, we're talking about what it takes to just keep a human being alive, that's like practically nothing. That's like a little bit of water every couple of days and some food every three weeks. That would be subsistence. That would be a level of subsistence. And just the idea that these people think that they get to define what subsistence is for somebody else is outrageous. And why should somebody have to live at a subsistence level? They don't think any of this stuff through. It's all just emotional, sing-songy crap that sounds good if you don't, if you never scratch, like if you just barely scratch the surface. Subsistence level. Okay, so what does that mean? Do you get air conditioning? Do you get heat? Do you get uh, cable TV? Do you get Netflix? Do you get uh, Hulu without commercials or Hulu with commercials? How many times can you go out to a restaurant a, a week? You know, how many how many times do you get to go to like go see a stand up comedian or something like that? Do you get a car? Do you what what size bed do you like? I mean, it just goes on and on. Like, what is subsistence is just totally subjective. And that's just like living standards, right? Just like everyday stuff. They, they, even with like healthcare, though, things they talk about with healthcare, healthcare is a human right. Education is a human right. Okay. Well, what's subsistence healthcare? What's subsistence education? Everybody has a right to healthcare. Okay. Do you get, like, when you have a surgery, you get the, which doctor do you get? Which surgeon? The best one in the world. Everyone has a right to the best surgeon in the world. There's only one of him. If you're if you're uh, you're talking about everyone has a right to healthcare, you can't you, you know everybody gets at least a subsistence level of healthcare. What is that? What does subsistence healthcare look like? Does it look like 1950s healthcare? Does it look like you know everybody everybody has like a, a right to elective surgeries or only what you need? Who gets to decide what you need? I mean, or, or education? Everybody gets to go to Harvard. <laughs> What's subsistence education? <laughs> I would submit to you public education being <laughs> subsistence education. But I mean, yeah, this is all just a bunch of nonsense. It never ceases to amaze me how little they think through their ideology, but how passionate and involved they are in in everything that, that surrounds it. <laughs> Whereas like libertarians are uh, equally as passionate, but also equally obsessed with thinking through all of the problems with an ideology and sort of uh, working them out. But this is what we're up against. These are the type of people that we have to deal with. Not only have they not thought through any of their retarded ideology more than just through the surface of what what sounds good, a, a nice sounding saying like libertarians, we have the taxation is theft. Like that's our that's our line. Right. And it sounds great and it's catchy and it, it sort of hits you. But we've also thought through the implications of that. Uh, these these Bernie Bros, they have all these sayings like, "Oh, it's it's okay to steal from the from people as long as they're rich, or as long as you don't take more than they need to survive." 
but they don't think through the the implications of any of that or they they don't dig into it at all they've never thought through their ideology they don't have any they they just listen and and parrot uh, retarded ideas but not only that they <laughs> they don't know any other ideas other than their retarded slogans so they've heard taxation is theft but they don't they've never heard the ideas behind it the justification for it they've never heard the counter arguments they've never heard any of our ideas they've never heard of free markets before so not only have they not thought through their own ideology but they've never even considered any other ideology looked into anything looked into any other ideas or are even interested in it really uh it's pretty unbelievable yet they're they're convinced that they're they're right about everything and we don't know what we're talking about i don't don't know how how education works obviously um the, the you know these bernie bros do because uh education you can't have free markets in education it's impossible because you can't just have these markets where everything is free markets cost things <laughs> it, it, it's the uh the dunning kruger effect right that the stupidest people suffer from this illusion of being absolutely 100% right about everything like the dumber you are the more convinced you are that you know everything and that you are right and man, is it uh, going to be impossible to get through to a lot of these people? But hopefully, you know, other people see how how idiotic their their stuff sounds when you just challenge them in the in the most you know the easiest of ways. I, I put no effort into challenging these people, and they just basically crumble right before your eyes. It's pretty hilarious. But they think that we're the clowns. It it, it really is um, unbelievable. And then. You have this stuff going on in Portland where the, the, these uh, secret police are rounding up a bunch of communist protesters. And then these same people, these same Bernie Sanders supporters who are probably down in Portland are, are now looking, they're throwing their hands up in the air. Look, where are all the libertarians? Where are all the libertarians defending you know, these Antifa guys getting rounded up by secret police? You just can't make this stuff up. It's like, well, um, all the libertarians have been talking about that shit till we're blue in the face, and and you guys never wanted to hear it. You're calling us clowns. You're calling us uh, uninformed rubes every time we bring something up where we're like, hey, you know, maybe uh, you don't want all those tax dollars taken from you and spent on a militarized police force. Maybe, uh, you know, taxation is theft and you shouldn't be funding police services through taxation because you have no control over where the money goes to or how it's used. But these are the people who want more government. And boy, did they get a, a big old slap of government right upside the head. I have an article here. It's, uh, yeah, it's always, the, the Democrats are fuming, of course, because these are their, their supporters who are being rounded up as uh, DHS tackles Portland anarchy while Trump plans to send feds to major cities. I did hear that he was um, threatening to send like 150 over to Chicago, my hometown, and our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, was not too thrilled about that. But as Portland slips further into chaos amid the seventh week of nightly protests, Local and state officials have slammed the Trump administration for sending Homeland Security agents to perform crowd control and arrests what DHS Secretary Chad Wolf described as lawless anarchists. God damn it. They always 
Anarchism catches such a bad rap. It's a, every time somebody's destroying private property and and rioting and looting, it's always anarchy. Anyway, that's a, a topic for another podcast, I suppose. But in response to the DHS presence, Oregon's Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum, Rosenblum, sorry, sued DHS and the Marshal Service in federal court over unidentified agents grabbing people off the streets of Portland without warning or explanation, without a warrant, without providing any way to determine who is directing this action. The state seeks a temporary restraining order to immediately stop federal authorities from unlawfully detaining Oregonians. The current escalation in fear and violence uh, in downtown Portland is being driven by federal law enforcement tactics that are entirely unnecessary. Rosenblum said in a statement, the administration has enlisted federal agents, including U.S. Marshals Special Operations Group and an elite Customs and Border Protection team based on uh, the U.S.-Mexico border to protect federal property. But Oregon Public Broadcasting reported this week that some agents had been driving around unmarked vans and snatching protesters from the streets not near federal property without identifying themselves. Okay, so I think you guys get the point here. So where are libertarians on this, huh? Well, how about right where we've always been? <laughs> like, right where we were when Obama signed the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, in like 2011 or something like that, way back when. And it basically gave the federal government authorization to detain American citizens indefinitely without charges, no due process, no nothing. Yeah. We were up in arms about that. We've been talking about that for the better part of a decade. You guys didn't want to hear about it because, well, Obama was president. Black Jesus. Couldn't do no wrong. There's nothing to worry about when your boys had control of the reins. And even when Obama signed it in, he was... He he had to give that explanation. You know, he's like, uh, my administration has um, no plans to ever uh, you put this into effect or use it against American citizens. But I'm going to sign this thing anyway. I'm going to sign this into law just in case, just in case, as if he was going to be the last administration ever. Well, now you got Donald Trump, law and order, Mr. Law and order Donald Trump. And you're going to get a big old fucking dose of law and order Donald Trump because you didn't have the principles, you didn't have the balls to stand up to Obama when he signed an NDAA that said he could detain American citizens without trial, without nothing, as long as he wants. Yeah, yeah, this is why principles are important. Libertarians are exactly where we were 10 years ago when they tried to pull this shit and the media was silent on it, the left was silent on it. Uh, Antifa, all of these protesters were silent on it. 95% of these protesters have never even heard of the NDAA. Yeah, yeah. But we're the, again, you know, I'm just an uneducated rube over here. Don't know how anything works. Just want my guns and my weed and to be left alone. Idiots. You fucking idiots. You get what you deserve. Where are libertarians on this? <laughs> libertarians are sitting on the sidelines watching saying, I told you so. How about that? The other sort of hilarious, ironic thing about this whole um, issue is that the states created the federal government, right? So in theory, the, the, the federal government got some of its power from the states ceding it to create this, this whole federal thing. And the states should have right of first refusal. The states should have the power to say, no, 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 you feds can't come in here. 
Yeah, you can't come in here and just start picking up our citizens and, and all that shit, right? But good luck with that. Good luck with that. You've never been for states' rights before. Everybody on this side of the political spectrum have never cared a rip about states' rights. And look what happens. Look what happens when you when everything is federal, when you want the big bureaucracy. Anytime in, in the past when a, a state would try to stand up to the federal government, you, you were like, oh, the federal government has supremacy over this, blah, 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 all that crap. Well, look where it got you. Look where not having the principled stance got you. It is sort of an interesting thing legally, but good luck. Good luck with your uh, your lawsuit. I wonder what um, courts that lawsuit is going to be tried in. Would that go to like the federal courts or like maybe eventually the Supreme Court? I wonder, I wonder who the Supreme Court is going to side with, a state or the federal government? Yeah, you guys uh, think about think on that one for a little bit. Anyway, I find this whole thing to be hilarious and um, just the idea that people that if they saw a libertarian like drowning, wouldn't throw him a life raft if uh, you know there was a whole stack of them sitting right next to him. Now, now they expect libertarians to stand up for communists, communists, the most authoritarian uh, scum that have ever walked the face of the earth. They are. The, the antithesis of libertarianism. Why would we stand up for that? Their whole ideology represents tyranny, aggression, the violation of the non-aggression principle, violations of liberty, of freedom. They want nothing to do with us until the, uh, that strong arm of the government that they've been uh, feeding decade after decade, allowing it to, to take more and more power. And now that it's being turned on them, well, now they have a problem with it. Now they want libertarians to come to their defense. And I've always said, you know, where you stand with liberty, I will stand with you. But the problem here is that these uh, these protesters, they don't stand with liberty. They're not for liberty. They're for their liberty to tyrannically rule over the rest of us. They're just upset that their ability to, to enforce their will on everybody else is being diminished. They're, they're not for us, you know, live and let live, <laughs> like let libertarians do their thing over there and we'll do our thing over here and, and no big deal. They're not for uh, uh, having a demilitarized police force. They're just against the militarized police force being turned on them. If the militarized police force was turned on anybody else, the alt-right, libertarians, republicans, anything like that, they'd be all for it. They'd be cheering it on, punching Nazi. It's okay to steal from rich people. <laughs> okay, uh, they they, they don't—they don't stand for liberty. They don't stand for one iota of liberty. Their whole, from head to toe, they're nothing but authoritarian pussies. And I hate to say it, but you're getting what you deserve. You're getting what you deserve. I'm not going to stand with you on this one. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Why would I stand with somebody who, the second they get back control of the Leviathan government they help create, they'll turn it on me? And, and laugh all the way all the way to the bank. So I don't think libertarians have an, an obligation to defend what's happening to these people. I, I think it's more of an I told you so moment and uh, you get what you deserve. Okay. Uh, maybe you should have listened to us earlier. It's not too late. Maybe now instead of calling us clowns on Twitter and unintelligible rubes or whatever, Maybe now's the time where say, hey, that these uh, libertarians, they might be onto something. 
maybe maybe I should uh, think rethink this ideology of mine or, or look into what they got going on because they tried to warn us about this. They've only been talking about it for decades. Every chance they get to anybody that'll listen. And then sort of along the same lines as that, I don't remember any of the protesters coming to the defense of that St. Louis couple that uh, was was standing outside of their private property, their house, defending their property from a group of protesters. And now well, this couple, that was all, literally all they did was stand on their lawn and hold and brandish weapons in a threatening manner. Now, yes, they clearly have no idea what they're doing with guns. Um, some of their trigger control was less than ideal. But you had a group of protesters on the heels of weeks and weeks of violent protests, uh, of them burning down cities, uh, terrorizing people in the streets, saying that they're coming to the suburbs next, threatening to, to do that. They break down a gate, a gated community. They trespass on private property. And these people come out and stand their ground against these protests. And you have no idea what their plan is. Like, yeah, maybe they're going to be peaceful in a sense that they're not going to burn your house down or whatever or hit you over the head with a two-by-four like they'd seen on TV. But you don't know that going in. And so they're they're out there standing their ground with their guns. And now the couple has been charged with felony unlawful use of a weapon and face misdemeanor charges for fourth-degree assault. I don't know what fourth degree assault is, but apparently it's just standing on your standing on your lawn holding a gun. Now I don't see any of these um these protesters coming to their defense. When the when the police come, the police came to their their house like a, a week or two ago and took their guns away and and now they're being charged with a felony. They're not going to protest that police overreach. I mean, this is outrageous. This is outrageous that of all the things that you're going to have your police worry about. Like none of the protesters who broke uh, broke into the gated community, who are, who are trespassing, it's illegal, who, who uh, destroy private property, they're taking down uh, statues, they're burning buildings, they're destroying businesses. They're not being charged with anything. They're, they're being let go. And uh, th these people who stand on their lawn and hold a gun get, get, get charged with a felony. This is, um, it, it's pretty incredible. I mean, could you imagine if these, um, if this couple was up in arms that Antifa wasn't wasn't um, standing with them protesting their the the militarized police overreach, <laughs> the the police overreach of them coming to their house and confiscating their guns? It's, it's pretty, you know, equally a as ridiculous. I mean, this couple is the enemy of well, I guess not Antifa, Black Lives Matter protesters, whatever. Commies are the enemies of libertarians, <laughs> and uh, commies are looking to libertarians to stand up for them. You, you don't see this couple looking to the protesters to stand up when the when they get abused by the police, by the militarized police force that Black Lives Matter is supposedly up in arms against. She said it's uh, illegal to wave weapons around in a threatening manner. That is unlawful in the city of St. Louis, Gardner said adding in a statement that she was recommending community service in lieu of up to four years in, in prison. Gardner is uh, St. Louis's top prosecutor, apparently, uh, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. And she's filing the charges, but recommending that they don't uh, go into a cage for four years. So that, that's very kind of her. 
and waving waving guns around in a threatening manner. I mean, guns by their very nature are threatening. All right, how do you not uh, brandish a weapon in a non? Yeah, how do you brandish a weapon in a non-threatening manner? I'd love to see that done. I'd love to see that trick pulled off. Oh God, what a bunch of bullshit, man! It's like, yeah, it, it's sort of along the same lines. Like, I wouldn't expect the the protesters to come to the defense of of that couple much like i wouldn't expect libertarians to come to the defense of of a bunch of communists rioters that are being rounded up by police like you know they're they're your enemy i don't know why they would expect us to come to their defense when if the tables were turned or if there was any other opportunity for them to sick those secret police on libertarians just for wanting to exist free from coercion, that they wouldn't hesitate. They would take that deal in a second. So uh, anyway, I want to switch gears here and um, talk a little bit about this new stimulus bill that that the GOP is rolling out, and then the uh, thousands of essential workers that were set to strike on Monday over racial inequality. But first, let's take a second and thank our sponsor for today's show, You guys should be more than familiar with them by now. They are my favorite sponsor, and that is Lorenzotti Coffee. It's a coffee company run by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs that came together over their love of a good cup of coffee and the difficulty that they've had trying to find it here in the United States. So they've come up with a way to get you premium Italian coffee delivered right to your door. If you go to Lorenzotti.coffee and you use promo code FICTION, you will get 10% off your order. And if you order at least two tins of coffee, you'll get free shipping. So check them out, Lorenzotti.coffee. That's L-O-R, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I, dot coffee, promo code FICTION. For ten percent off your order. All right, so it looks like we're we've getting we've gotten some details on this GOP stimulus bill that's going to include a payroll tax deferral and direct payments and reduce unemployment boost. So I you know I talked about this a little bit. I did make a prediction on this maybe a, a week or two ago that we would get another round of stimulus and it would not be as big as the one before. It was going to be about at least the. The Republicans were going to want it to be about a trillion, maybe just under a trillion for optic purposes, and that they were going to reduce the unemployment benefit, that $600 a week, but they would still be going out. It just wouldn't be as much, and you're still going to have the same type of problems. But this is from the article, a new pandemic relief bill drafted by Senate Republicans and the White House would include a payroll tax deferral as well as another round of direct payments to individual Americans, potentially at the same $1,200 level as the previous Stimulus Act. According to the Washington Post, the payroll tax deferral is in lieu of an outright cut, which keeps down the technical cost of the overall bill, but could also be waived entirely by lawmakers at a later date. It's been proven to be successful. There's a quote now. It's been proven to be successful and it's a big savings for people. It's a tremendous saving and an incentive for companies to hire their workers back and keep their workers, Trump said, of the payroll tax relief following Monday meeting in the Oval Office with uh, Senator Mitch McConnell and House Minority Leader 
Kevin McCarthy and Treasury. Oh, oh, and the Secretary, uh, Steve Mnuchin. They're all in there. Payroll tax is very important, Trump added, of the 7.65 tax paid by employers and employees, which funds Social Security and Medicare. Okay, now, hang on, let me stop here for a second because it, a couple things. It always bugs me when they say employers and employees pay a portion of Social Security and Medicare. Okay. It used to be, well, the original Social Security, I believe, was 1% from the employer and 1% from the employee. And then for a while, it was 7.5%. Now I guess it's up to 7.65. But here's the thing. The employer is not paying that. Okay, The employee pays the full freight of Medicare and Medicaid. The employer, it, that, that cost is built into the cost of of hiring an employee okay so they're they're cutting the check either way the 7.65 if it were up to them i'm i'm sure they'd rather give the 765 to the employee rather than the federal government but um that so you know that when they hire you they they basically deduct what they could pay you by all of these payroll taxes that they would have to pay so if they could um you know if they're going to hire you uh, at, at like $10 an hour or something, they factor in how much it's going to cost them in payroll taxes. They deduct that from the $10 an hour, and then they offer you, you know, $8.75 an hour or whatever. So you're paying it as the employee. It, it just, instead of um, the money going to you and then you paying it to uh, the, the federal government, the, uh, the employer just sends it to, to the federal government instead of sending it to you first. That's the way that works. The employee is paying the full freight of that. And it just, it really is amazing to me that the admission here, the admission that payroll tax cuts would provide relief to people, like the implication being that this is hurting the economy. This is hurting businesses. This is hurting employees and employers. It's hurting everybody. And yet we still do it all the time. And nobody wants to touch these things. Nobody wants to try to cut them or anything. We'll, we'll do a little temporary thing around, around the edges here. Um, it, it's just hilarious to me that they will, in a sense, admit that these things are damaging to the economy. They're damaging to everybody involved. And yeah, it, it would be successful and it would be a big savings for people. The, the vast majority of you know taxes that people pay are these payroll taxes for the average american and they're getting fleeced on these things and i i just uh i i'm always amazed that they'll come out and do stuff like this and admit the amount of damage that that this is going to do you know imagine as a worker when you get when you get your paycheck and you don't have uh, the the payroll taxes taken out of it and then you have to go back to, to actually having the withholding. It's going to be a, a bitter pill to swallow, isn't it? Anyway, um, Mnuchin, meanwhile, confirmed Republicans plan to reduce the size of the 600 per week enhanced unemployment benefit approved in March, which will begin running out for millions of Americans later this week. Talked about that on the previous uh podcast republicans have argued that many workers are making more thanks to the enhanced employment benefits than they were while they were employed 
and I predicted that on this show, and I've talked about it since then. But even just re- reducing it is, is still going to have a, a whole host of problems. And you can go back and, and listen to the older episodes to get a little more in-depth analysis on that. But they basically say here, we're going to make sure that we don't pay people more money to stay at home than to go to work. We want to make sure that people who can go to work safely can do so. We'll have tax credits and incentive uh, that incentivize businesses to bring people back to work. We'll have tax credits uh, for personal protective equipment, for safe work environments. All these tax credits and tax breaks. It's like, yeah, uh, it's almost as if these taxes that everybody's paying is what's crushing the economy. And there's just going to be so many more taxes on the horizon if they if they do stuff like this and they they're talking another trillion dollar uh, stimulus bill the democrats in may passed the 3 trillion dollar bill so they're going to meet somewhere in the middle there i don't know exactly where it's going to be but you have to remember that the spending is the tax the spending is the real tax it doesn't matter if they're giving you a tax break now but they're increasing spending now the the spending now is a, a promise to tax you in the future so whatever level they are spending at they are going to tax you that level somewhere in the future and they can do it two ways they can do it as a direct tax where they just take money from you or they can do it in the more sneakily way of inflation and taxing your uh, purchasing power the, the value of the dollar. They will steal the value of the dollar, of your savings, right out from under your nose. And I think that's the more likely scenario since tax hikes are not very popular with politicians. Even the, the Democrats, they only want to raise them on the rich, and there's just not enough rich people to pay these deficits that we are racking up right now. And if you notice, if you paid attention to the markets over the last couple of days, gold and silver have been ripping higher. Gold is closing in on its all-time high from like 2011. It's at 1840 right now as I'm doing this podcast. Silver was at 2110, I think. They're up big. They uh, they look like they're going to the moon. That is indicative of how much inflation is coming down the pike here. And a lot of people get this confused. I remember having discussions with people about gold, um, and it was usually centered around like gold versus Bitcoin kind of thing. You know, the argument I would hear a lot is like, well, gold is is priced so much higher than its basic utility. You know, it's like gold can be used for like a few things, but that doesn't justify it being at $1,800 an ounce or something like that. What a lot of people fail to understand is, it's not that the gold is being priced higher than its utility. It's that your dollars are losing value. Your dollars are losing that much value relative to gold's value. So um, that's all the increased price of uh, gold or silver, a precious metal, that, something that holds its value over time. That's all the price going up is an indication of. It's an indication of your dollar's value going down. So anytime all these fiat currencies that we price relative to gold and that they're pretty much all seeing them go down in terms of gold, meaning it takes more dollars to buy the same amount of gold as it did 10 years ago. Um, well, actually, 10 years ago is almost at the all-time highs. Five years ago, something like that. That That's all that ratio is showing you, that the, the fiat currencies, the, these... Uh, 
all of these government issued paper money that's backed by nothing is losing a ton of value in a, in a pretty short amount of time. And it, it's policies like these where we just create money out of thin air and we're, we're in, injecting trillions of dollars into the economy with without having any increased production or anything like that. Our production is actually going down. We're creating less things. We're creating less value. We're saving less. We're investing less. And we're just injecting currency into the market so that uh, devalues all the other dollars that are in circulation. The, the other thing that's really bad about what they want, like their stated goal is to have these dollars be spent. They want, they want it in the hands of the people so that they can go out and spend it. Gone over the, the problem with thinking that spending is what drives economic growth. It's not. Spending is like the end result of having produced. You can't buy anything that hasn't been produced yet. Spending is the consequence of economic growth. It's not what drives it. Inflation is a, a function of two things. It's how many dollars are in circulation and how quickly those dollars are changing hands. It's called the velocity of money. And if people are going to get another $1,200 and they're going to inject another trillion or two trillion into this market and they want people to spend it, those, the faster those dollars change hands, the, the quicker that inflation is going to rise. So uh, there, there's a lot of that on the horizon. There is a lot of taxes, tax increases on the horizon one way or another, especially if Biden gets elected. Taxes are going to go up on, on just about everything. And all of these people that are they're kind of sitting at home now waiting for the government to come up with the next round of stimulus, the next uh, little handout to get you through the next couple of months, you're, you're never going to get anywhere in life with that mentality or that approach to things. Okay, no one is going to hand you a successful living and no nobody is going to give you your freedom. Okay, you're going to have to take it. You can't just sit back and wait for the government to do something for you. But we had these uh fast food workers that were allegedly supposed to strike yesterday. Now, I don't know exactly what ha how big of a strike this was. I haven't um I haven't followed up on it after I saw an article about it that was, you know, talking about that it was going to happen. I don't know what the actual result was. I just know that tens of thousands of Americans were expected to walk off the job site on Monday afternoon from coast to coast to protest police brutality, systemic racism, and economic inequality that has significantly worsened during the virus-induced recession. Um, it was called Strike for Black Lives. Labor unions and community organizing groups have partnered together to unleash the strikes across the country among essential workers. The fight for racial justice and black liberation has always been deeply connected to workers' rights movements. We are here today to demand transformational changes in our workplace, tweeted the movement for, uh, of black lives. I I'm not going to read this whole article, but I, I just... Here's the thing, right? It, for fast food workers or, or people working a menial job, I, I, I just mentioned that, you know, nobody is going to hand you a living. Nobody's going to give you your freedom. You have to earn it. You have to take it. And the best way to take your freedom is to not be dependent on somebody else for the source of your income. Controlling the source of your income is essential to liberty. You're just never going to get ahead 
wasting all of this time going on strikes, protesting, which is essentially, you know, like stomping your feet and, and screaming for more money. You're a fry guy. You need to learn a new skill. You need to learn new skills that produce value to society. That's your ticket to freedom. That's your ticket to, to everything, okay? The amount of time that you're wasting in these movements, in these protests, uh, working you know, a, a menial job and then, and then fighting for, for a little, you know, a dime an hour here, an extra 50 cents an hour, raising the minimum wage, whatever it is. The amount of time you're wasting doing that could be spent investing in your human capital and learning a skill that's going to allow you to command a higher wage in the marketplace. You don't have to beg for it. You get to command it when you have it. You see, every, I forget whose um, quote this is, but it's a great quote. Every ethical dollar earned is a byproduct of value creation. If you took all of the time that you're wasting protesting for a higher wage and begging the government for more stolen benefits, and you actually spent that time learning a valuable skill, you'd be far better off in the long run. That's the problem with th these types of strikes. This is like a poverty mindset. And it, it's sad to see, it's sad to see people that think that the only way that they can get ahead is by you know, demanding the government do something for them, demanding they, they get some sort of um, some sort of benefit or that their uh, their wages are increased arbitrarily, like upon demand. You have to create more value to to command a higher wage. And, and they they always talk about how labor unions, you know, built the middle class and, and the workers and, and all this stuff. But the thing is that people are very unproductive on their own if left to their own devices what built the middle class was actually the entrepreneur who saved who who consumed less than um he produced who saved and invested in capital capital equipment that he could then provide other people to use to make them more productive you see if people are just working like if i'm just working in a field and i have no tools i have no capital um i have no cat no equipment no shovel no nothing and i'm trying to dig a hole it's going to take me forever i'm not very productive but if somebody provides me with a bulldozer well then i can i can do a lot more work i can provi provide a lot more value and therefore since i'm more productive i can command a higher wage but if it wasn't for the capital equipment provided to the worker by the entrepreneur. He would never be able to make as much money and work his way into the middle class. We'd all just be living hand to mouth like we were before the the industrial revolution. Before we we figured out that you know you can have all of the these investments in in capital equipment that that make workers far more productive than they other, otherwise would be. So for all of you, you know, essential workers out there, um, I, I hate that term. It, it implies that other, you know, other people's work isn't essential. But if you find yourself, you know, working a, a minimum wage job or something like that, you're never going to get to where you want to be by by protesting and striking. You, you may get an extra 50 cents an hour or something like that after you know weeks and weeks of negotiations and all this crap when you can you can take that time take that energy and invest it in yourself and learn a new skill 
Learn something that will allow you to provide more value to society and you'll be able to command a higher wage that way. Anyway, I'm going to wrap there for today, guys. Do me a favor. If you like today's show, share it with somebody that you think might also like to hear it and uh, follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. You can always go on iTunes and give me a rating and review five stars if you think the show is worth it. And if you wanted to become a supporting listener of the show, you can do that by going to my website, Pedal pedalingfictionpodcast.com and if you guys can do all that for me I will be back later this week with a brand new episode for you until then just remember to keep on pedaling that so called fiction 